Thanks so much for tuning into Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today on the program, I'm going to be speaking with Professor Valeria Motta about loneliness. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for having me. Could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself? Yeah, so I I study my my first degree is uh, uh, philosophy at the University of Buenos Aires, where I'm where I'm from, and um, so I studied philosophy there. I um, I was interested in, in in different topics, just as any philosophy degree uh, in Buenos Aires. But at the beginning of the degree, you're exposed to different philosophical traditions, and I guess I. What caught, caught my attention was uh, phenomenology. So I was interested in, in the study of consciousness and, and human experience from a first-person perspective, but an approach that was um, metaphysical in, in a way that, that I saw it at the time. And um, was quite, so that was one of my interests. And uh, another one was, um, completely different area in philosophy at least at the time they were considered different traditions so one is the continental tradition with Husserl and um, the existentialist Sartre and also uh, Merleau-Ponty and then and, and another um, another area that interested me was uh, epistemology so then the study of of uh, the scientific method. I was. I remember being in conflict, thinking, "Oh, what am I going to choose?" Um, and then I was lucky because uh, I was uh, presenting at the seminar, and uh, and one of the professors asked me if I wanted to start teaching. And this was kind of um, that was the uh, chosen <laughs> for me. So I started teaching epistemology, um, theory of science. Um, Philosophy of science, and that's that's my 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 first degree. Um, then I I moved to, to England and I did an MA in philosophy of biology and cognitive science, and became also um, acquainted with um, and also deepened my knowledge in philosophy of mind. I became very interested in mental health and uh, made a happy discovery that phenomenology and, and the, the health sciences were not so strange. They could collaborate um, in Bristol. The, the philosophy department, there is uh, Javi Carelli is doing work on uh, phenomenology of illness. And I found that very inspiring. Uh, so I really like that. And then because I was interested in philosophy of mind, I came across the work of Lisa Bortolotti, who is my supervisor, my PhD supervisor at the University of Birmingham for my PhD. So I decided uh, that I, I wanted to, she also was working on this uh, very interesting and inspiring project called Perfect um, in Mental Health. And, uh, so yeah, so that that's the bit of my background. There, there's also 
so those are, those are the traditions that I first thought they were completely different and then discovered that they were they, they could collaborate so it was a quite a happy discovery and then I do remember a specific work of a specific um, scientist um, I remember uh, feminists um, such as Barbara McClinton and Evelyn Fox Keller so the work that they did in science and then as theorists, as feminist theorists of science was inspiring and then um, some, some, theory, some theories on, on emotions uh, uh, from, from different French mystics such as Marguerite Poret. So these were all, to me, these were figures in philosophy um, that were not quite fitting into any of the categories and any of the big traditions, but were still quite interesting. And I think it, it does make sense now that I look back and, and see the, the kind of philosophy that I like doing. Um, these people were, um, as, as Patricia Hill Collins would say, outsiders within, uh, outsiders within. So, yeah, so that, that's a bit of my <laughs> background and interest. <laughs> Eclectic. What, what, what was it that inspired you to study loneliness? Um, okay, so I was, I always found emotions fascinating. Um, and not sufficiently addressed in, in philosophy. Um, why loneliness? Uh, the immediate answer is because I felt it. Um, and it was quite a profound experience uh, for me. Um, I guess it was very intense when I was doing my master's. And, and the, the irony is that I was surrounded by an amazing community and really happy to be around them. But now, four years uh, after uh, having studied loneliness for four years, I know that this is an experience that is quite common in university students and in general, really people who do work that involves um, spending a lot of time on their own, such as artists and writers, they, they do, the, the, loneliness is an experience that they are familiar with. This would be, now, what I consider a, a type of state loneliness, um, not a, a chronic sort of loneliness, which is different. There's even a book I remember reading, a book called uh, Flow at the time. Uh, it talks about the so it's Flow, the psychology of uh, optimal experience, and it talks about creative work. Uh, it even has a chapter on, on loneliness. Um, so that that was, let's say, so one of the, the, the reasons um, why um, why I thought, okay, this is a, this is an experience that is real. I'm, I'm going through this. It, it, there are some aspects that are interesting about it. There's this. Uh, it's very ironic that I'm happy surrounded by others, but still profoundly having this feeling. Um, also, it's related to the, the creative experience. What's interesting is um, whether um, we really need to undergo pain or not. So some, some theorists on, on loneliness 
um, it, it is called the existential approach, Mustaka. It, uh, for example, he wrote a paper in the 60s um, and he, so talking about this, uh, uh, the, the experience that creative people go through and whether it involves pain or not. So he thinks that true loneliness is is the, the reality of being alone and, and facing life's ultimate challenges. And, and this is a journey that one has to do alone. So facing birth, death, facing change, facing tragedy. He says that it, it can be a creative force, this confrontation, and it's an encounter with oneself. And, and he believes this is a joyous experience. Now, another, um, Another uh, psychiatrist, one of the first ones who wrote about loneliness, Frida from Reichmann in the 70s, she had a posthumous paper uh, that, that was published posthumous. Um, um, she, she says that uh, she calls this creative loneliness, not the loneliness of the artist, and she doesn't think this is a joyful experience. So again, this was uh, this was an, an aspect that there is this experience, it involves pain or it involves joy. It's related to creativity. Um, then one can experience it even when surrounded by others. Then obviously this brought my, my awareness. So I started observing other people. Uh, I started remembering people telling me, telling me about their experience. Um, and I started, I remember um, at the time, this was 2014, 2015, I was listening to the radio and, and people kept talking about it. This was before, uh, in the UK, before it became a matter of state, um, uh, there's a Ministry of, of Loneliness now, and, and that started in 2016 after the after uh, Joe Cox, um, uh, a British politician was killed. So they, um, this was way before, but, but there was a sense, let's say, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, it was, talk about loneliness was, was, uh, was around at the time. Um, I, so, so these were characteristics that were interesting to me then. Then I also thought this is uh, similar to love in the sense that it, it, can, it can profoundly affect your whole experience of the world. So it's not just, a, um, you know, it's, it's a way of looking at the reality that we are surrounded by. It can, it can, it can disrupt our whole experience. Um, and also the, the striking idea that, that people can produce their best of work when, when alone. Um, I remember um, really books that I really love uh, uh, in, in, in different areas. So in philosophy, Sartre's uh, book, Nausea, and in science fiction, I remember Jay Ballard's Concrete Island. These are, these are the journeys of of, of profoundly lonely people. Um, so there was something here, certainly, to, to study. This is, amongst other things, these were some of the things I remember 
uh, inspired me to study loneliness. I was um, lucky enough to, to be able to detach from the situation. Um, uh, detached in a way that I took it as as painful as it was. I took it as um, an object of of study. So I, I, it was a really good time <laughs> I spent when during my masters reading about emotions and trying to figure out what it was happening to me. <laughs> okay, so that those are some of the reasons why I chose loneliness. <laughs> Definition of loneliness. Um, I uh, it's loneliness. It's uh, it, it is mainly an, an affective phenomenon, um, but it also involves perceptions and and cognitions and different other elements um, that, that constitute our nature as human beings. So it was if. Okay, to come up with a definition um, was was a challenge. I, I did, so I, I had to position myself uh, from a specific perspective. So there are many different um, uh, disciplines that, uh, that have provided definitions, uh, especially psychology, um, has provided many different also perspectives on, on loneliness, approaches, so different approaches. Um, so obviously, as a philosopher, my work is informed by this discipline, but it is a philosophical approach. And what was the most interesting to me was this, like I said before, this, this the fact that loneliness was, as I saw it, a profound disruption of our, of our experience and, and I did see that this had an impact on the sense of self. So my, uh, my investigation to come up with a definition was a, an empirical investigation. So I did, I conducted some interviews and I, I resorted to a phenomenological method for studying um, the experience. Um, my one, the other supervisor, one of my supervisors is Lisa Bortolotti, and my other supervisor is Michael Larkin. Um, he's a reader in psychology, and he, together with Jonathan Smith, is one of the people who have developed a, an interview method. Uh, for studying uh, disrupt this type of disruptive um, experiences and and bringing phenomenology into the analysis of the interviews. So this sort of interview technique that has been used um, uh, mainly to study illness and and chronic health conditions. Um, but it's very helpful and it's different from a traditional self-report measuring psychology. So a traditional self-report measure would be uh, UCLA scale, for example, when people have different questions or a series of statements and they have to uh, um, 
say how often they experience this statement. No? I feel um, that I don't fit in most of the time, so that they are already given statements that they have to um, select and say how often they occur. But this type of interview, the one that I use, which is called interpretative terminological analysis, it's a semi-structured interview, so it is designed to enable the participants to articulate in as much detail um, uh, as they can the experience. So what my, my aim was to reconstruct the, the world of the lonely. And, and this whole explanation is to, is to say um, that, well, after the analysis, so this is, the, this is the type of interview that I conducted to come up with, to, to, to find the definition uh, that was a, a phenomenological de definition. And yes, I do have something uh, of, of a definition. <laughs> a working progress, but it is a definition. And, and this is what I argue in my thesis, actually. Um, so I argue that loneliness is a deeply felt distressing experience of absence that prevents one from fully experiencing oneself. Uh, now, the idea behind it is that we fully, fully experience ourselves. We are able to share our conscious experience with other conscious beings. So it, it can be either by being observed, by sharing spaces, or even by more reflective practices and, and through the, the narratives that we have with others, even when they are not present. So, so for example, um, if we're not able to express our feelings, if it, if it happens that it is not possible for us to be to express our feelings and those feelings are observed by others or, or felt or even transmitted in, in, in different ways, then, then that, can, that can provoke a sense of, of, of loneliness. Um, so these are, I'm calling these experiences of absence because they are, um, and they are very particular. So the, the absence is of this aspect of the self that could not be expressed uh, that could not be revealed because the other person, um, well, because there is no possibility to reveal them and, and we need others for that to happen. Um, and this, uh, this finds support, so this definition, obviously it has, uh, I mean, there are, there's more to say about this, that's the general gist of it. Um, it is supported by the phenomenology of loneliness as Hannah Arendt expresses it as her description is it's loneliness is the incapability of appearing as an individual to others or the loss of the common world and the and she um, the the example of this is the concentration camp when people are stripped of all possibilities of appearing as individuals, right? So, um, so yes, um, so that's more or less my definition. If it's if it's not clear, please ask ask and and, and I'll clarify. I hope I'm making myself clear. on Radio 3CR, 8.55 on your AM dial.
and I'm speaking with Professor Valeria Motta about loneliness. Um, could you explain about the characteristics of loneliness? Yeah, so like I said, there are different approaches to, to explaining the experience of loneliness. And if we want to find characteristics, so, so psychology, according to research in psychology, we, loneliness, we can observe loneliness. I mean, there is a cluster of characteristics and, um, well, it is characterized by negative feelings, negative cognitions, and negative behaviors. And, and loneliness then manifests through this. So the example of the uh, negative emotions that lonely people experience are, for example, feeling sad, they feel unloved or rejected or uh, depressed or worthless or they also experience helpless, helplessness and melancholia and longing so the, the, this is the, the group of, uh, of negative emotions then, then there's, there are also um, cognitive characteristics so lonely people um, have a negative self-conception because relationships, uh, this, this appears in a, in a really good article um, uh, of that Henry, where Henry uh, and Leon Kendrick and uh, Leon in 2006, um, they give this characterization. So, so, and they explain that, that because social relationships, they play such an important role in people's self-conception, lonely people, tend to see themselves um, to have a negative self-conception and 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 this they, they they see themselves as inferior as unattractive or unlovable socially incompetent as well there's also this a greater discrepancy between their ideal and their actual selves than in, in people who are not lonely um, also, it's interesting, uh, research um, tells us that social hunger directs the attention um, towards and, and bias memory for social cues. So people who fail to meet belongingness needs, they, they, they tend to, to retain uh, social information more than people who, who don't fail. So their self-conception is more, is more important for lonely people than for non-lonely people and how others regard them is, is something that they really, that they pay, pay careful attention. It's also associated with self-consciousness, like I said, and heightened degree of, of focus. Um, so, uh, they have a negative view about themselves and also uh, uh, about other people. Um, they are less accepting of others. So this is in the, the, the cognitive characteristics. I talked about the, the, emotion, uh, the emotions and the feelings. These are the cognitive characteristics. Um, there are also behavioral features. There are, there are more cognitive character characteristics, but these are, are some of them. Uh, 
And there are also behavioral features. They tend to be more passive, more self-absorbed. This is according to the research in psychology. So they tend to be, um, they are also uh, classified or qualified as ineffective, uh, having an effective social behavior. I'm not so sure uh, I like uh, saying, I, I like calling this ineffective. So obviously it's, it's not beneficial for them, but I think we need to be careful how we, how we describe uh, the behavior. It's just not fitting with the norms of society, certainly. Um, so these are the three main characteristics that it's a specific approach in, in psychology in psychology um, tells us that, that loneliness has. Mm -hmm. There are others. There are other approaches. So, so I, uh, this would be, let's say, a, a, perhaps a cognitive process approach. And another approach, an, an interactionist approach, would not only take into account the, the character traits, um, such as the ones that I've described, but it also takes into account the, the, how these character traits interact with specific world situations. So relocation matters, um, changes in income matter, um, cultural factors also matter. So perhaps a person who has social anxiety would, uh, would not be lonely if it wasn't for uh, a change in, in location and perhaps there's also if we if, if we add the cultural factors or perhaps if uh, let's say uh, if this is a woman and she's expected to, to behave in a specific way regarding her couple then then that can that can also be a, um, an adding factor that can trigger loneliness in, in someone who otherwise wouldn't have felt lonely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these are some of them. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Do you think that loneliness is more of a problem now than it has been in the past? Um, that's an interesting, I really like that question <laughs> because um, Actually, I was thinking, so why do things become problems and when do they start being problems? Obviously, you know, uh, as a philosopher, I, I need to question the question, analyze the question. So it, it kind of makes us think. So uh, a historian, so an interesting book by a historian, uh, Faye Van Alberti, she has written a recent book uh, on loneliness uh, she calls it biography it's called biography of loneliness and she identifies loneliness as a new phenomenon dating from the 1800s in the uk um, so obviously uh, it's also homelessness she says that it's a new phenomenon and 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 this is because it denotes lack of a stable home. So if homes were not stable before, then, then there was no homelessness. So it, it depends, her approach, uh, uh, well, uh, for, more, for, for, for more details, uh, people would have to read the book, but her approach is, it is related to how, how we define, how, uh, how we define loneliness. Um, Another approach is by a sociologist, uh, 
daily uh, Rietman. This is a, like a bestseller book. It's called The Lonely Crowd. Many people are uh, acquainted with this book. Um, and he, so he wrote this book in the 60s and he connects loneliness with population growth, with technological change, industrialization. So the race of the uh, individualism with negative connotations, right? So it depends on, it depends on the approach. You, you would say, yes, it's, it is more of a problem now than in the past. Now, uh, we can't, so these are two different approaches from from different um, from different disciplines. Um, I obviously we need we need to consider one of the major changes uh, that we that we are going through in the last ten years, ten, ten years now. I was going to say twenty, I'm a little confused. After two thousand, I'm just it's been twenty years actually. Technology is. Is, is here to stay, uh, and even I mean more and more um, as the decades go by. Um, so we are more exposed to social media and uh, research on um, uh, the psychology of happiness is telling us that we are now comparing ourselves. We have more opportunities to compare ourselves with other people and with what we see seems to be, um, uh, uh, you know, the other people being happy, you know, we see plenty of photos in social media and we think everybody's happy and I am not. So we have more reasons to compare ourselves and more reasons to, to feel lonely and unhappy. So social media could be one of the important factors um, uh, that, has, uh, that has made loneliness be such a uh, a, a really uh, an important and increasing problem, uh, but I I was reading so talking about why things become problems. Um, I was reading um, a book by C. S. Lewis, uh, the, the the British writer, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia uh, writer, the other day. Uh, he has a book called The Problem of Pain. And this is a book about God and, and Christianity. But I found some interesting ideas, very interesting ideas. He, he reflects about suffering and the human condition. And um, I, I have been reading books about suffering. And there is one by Michael Brady that I intend to read very soon, Suffering and Virtue. So why does something become a problem is connected to why it, it is a cause of suffering for us, no? So I don't remember if it was uh, Louis' reflection, if it was my reflection um, related to what I was reading in that book, but um, I like this connection between suffering and consciousness. So the idea that until we gain certain states of consciousness, we do not experience suffering or pain. So a good example of that is we're now more conscious that than in the past that eating animals is not good for the environment. Is I don't want to don't want to use the word good, but it's really harmful for all of us. Um, so we're also more conscious 
of the importance of human connections and this pandemic is certainly showing us how how everything is connected uh, how interconnected everything is so we are more conscious oh, you're right actually it is it is really interconnected and um thanks very much for coming onto the program today you're welcome Beth. and i've been speaking with professor valeria motto about loneliness 